0: Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to Locked On Blackhawks Podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Monday, December 6th, I'm your host Jack Bushman, you can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you could also check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And if you like what you're hearing today, then please be sure to go and follow the podcast, you can also leave me a review if you want to as well, it'll only take a couple of seconds and it's all for free wherever you may listen to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. It's all for free and if you follow the show right now then you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. Alright, good morning everyone and as always, thank you for starting your week by making Lockdown Blackhawks your first listen. I hope everyone out there enjoyed their weekends and the Chicago Blackhawks had a game in New York on both Saturday and Sunday night. I'll be going over each contest on the show here today. One against the Rangers and the other coming last night against the Islanders. And that finished up their road trip, their three-game road trip out east, by picking up four out of a possible six points available. I'll also discuss the Blackhawks continuing To establish a new identity as a grindy and competitive team under interim coach, excuse me, Derek King, moving to eight and four under his lead, and then to wrap things up today, of course, will be our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on Lockdown Blackhawks. All right, to start things off this morning, folks, of course I want to open things up by going over the first of the Blackhawks back-to-back games over the weekend coming on Saturday night against the New York Rangers at Madison Square Garden, a good old original six rivalry. And I actually had an episode coming out uh, or come out, I should say, on Saturday morning just because there were so many injury updates and whatnot announced after practice on Friday afternoon. So I wanted to be sure to talk about all of that before the weekend back-to-back. And in that episode, first I talked about how I didn't expect Connor Murphy to, to play, obviously, after getting placed in concussion protocol. And I also mentioned how both Calvin DeHaan and Riley Stillman had their statuses up in the air as well. Dehan actually wound up kind of needing to play in this one, it's a good thing that he was able to return because uh, not only would both Stillman, he wasn't able to make his return, unfortunately, quite yet, and Connor Murphy was out as well as expected, Uh, but not only were those two out of the lineup for the Hawks on Saturday, but they were also without fellow defenseman Jake McCabe, who was forced to fly back to Chicago prior to that game against the Rangers in order to attend to a family issue. I'm not sure exactly what the situation is, but of course, gotta hope uh, all is well and wish for the best. I don't know what the situation is again, but hope everything is okay with the McCabe family and everything. Um, But that left the Blackhawks with a pretty depleted defense against uh, a quality... Rangers team that heading into the game was 14-4-5 on the season and were in second place in the Metropolitan Division right behind the Washington Capitals, so a good New York Rangers team that the Blackhawks were up against, and on defense, they were forced to roll with the Jones brothers, Seth and Caleb, Eric Gustafson, Calvin DeHaan, Ian Mitchell was forced to play, and Wyatt Kalanick was back there as well on Saturday night. No Murphy, McCabe, or Stillman. Big yikes. And also, no Jujar Kera for the Blackhawks as well, by the way, as uh, a non-COVID-related illness forced him to miss this game against the Capitals as well. So, Reese Johnson drew back into the lineup after kind of randomly being a healthy scratch against the Caps on Thursday. And in net, by the way, uh, I talked on Saturday about how I kind of expected Flurry to be in net, but I also wouldn't have been surprised to see Kevin Lankinen in there because we've seen King go that route in back-to-backs in the past, and that's exactly what he did once again here against the Rangers. Lankinen was the one to get the start, setting up uh, Mark Andre Flurry to get the start in last night's game against the Islanders. And honestly, it's, it's kind of eerie how similar these two games were in New York over the weekend. Both games, um, the Blackhawks came out strong, put together a real good opening 20 minutes and managed to take a one nothing lead in both of those um, on Saturday. The Hawks really impressed me with their effort against the gate, against, as I mentioned, a really good Rangers team. They came out ready to battle. And especially on the defensive side of things, they they really shut it down early on. Uh, And although neither team really created much, to be fair, uh, which was another common trait about both first periods this weekend. um, But it was the Blackhawks who wound up managing to strike first as Patrick Kane tapped home a loose puck into the yawning cage after uh, Brandon Hagel kind of questionable, questionably knocked the puck out of midair. I'm still not really sure that was a legal play by Hagel, um, but the, the folks in Toronto, they did take a look at it and, and wound up sticking with the call on the ice as a good goal. So uh, with just 23 seconds to play in that first period against the Rangers, Kane snapped his six-game goal drought for his seventh goal of the year to put the Blackhawks ahead one to nothing, so uh, another strong fierce first period, which has been a common theme for this Blackhawks team recently. That that was just like Sunday against the San Jose Sharks, uh, just like Thursday against the Washington Capitals, and, and that has really been a trend here under Derek King most nights. I I can now say I, I really do trust this Blackhawks team to to come out and play a very structured and mostly defensive-oriented opening 20 minutes. And, and what's been most impressive to me about it is it's come against a couple of real solid teams on the road where this team has struggled so far this season. The Blackhawks were good in both first periods against uh, the Capitals and the New York Rangers. Um And they wound up holding the Rangers to only five shots on goal in those opening 20 minutes on Saturday, and none of them really were high-danger looks, and, and they took the lead heading into the first intermission, which is something they were not doing enough of early on in the season under Jeremy and You can't forget, it took the Blackhawks over nine games to hold their first lead of the season, so... um Really impressed with how this team's been able to come out with a good and structured game plan under Derek King so far. But also, like Sunday's game against the Sharks and Thursday's game against the Capitals, in the second period, the Rangers were were able to, it seemed like they were able to just kind of make a couple of adjustments in the dressing room, and they started to open things up a little bit offensively. That also has been a common theme for this Hawks team, under Derek King, good first periods, but in the second, they just haven't first off been able to build upon their leads or their strong efforts. They weren't able to take a lead in the game they got shut out against the san jose sharks um but they they just haven't been able to tighten up and it seems like the opposition is kind of able to figure things out a little bit after. Uh, going through the feel-through process in the first periods. And then in the second period, who else but Artemi Panarin, the bread man, makes a beautiful cross-feed over to uh, Ryan Strom on the power play. The other Strom, circle to circle, really no chance for Kevin Lankinen on this one. And Dylan Strom's brother, as I'll call him, tied the game one-to-one with an early goal on the man advantage for the Rangers. And Henrik Borgstrom, by the way, um, really kind of is what helped kickstart, I think, all that energy swing into New York's favor because he took a four-minute double minor for high-sticking in the first couple of minutes of that second period. That's what allowed the Rangers to start things on a high note in that second period, and they took advantage of that mistake by Borgstrom uh, as the bread man converted with Ryan Strom, and that tied the score one-to-one early on. And then uh, after kind of just scrapping by in the rest of the period, I thought the Blackhawks were kind of just trying to stay alive and get to the second intermission. They got bailed out a couple of times by Kevin Lankanen, Uh but eventually Adam Fox, the Norris Trophy winner from last season, found a loose puck in front and swept it home to put the Rangers ahead 2-1, to one, giving them their first lead of the night with about three minutes to go in that second period. The Blackhawks, sadly, just weren't able to hold on long enough and and coming into the game on the episode this past Saturday, um, I talked about how it's just so tough to play from behind against this Rangers team. They're one of the best in the NHL defensively this year, and that certainly didn't help the case for this struggling Blackhawks offense. They weren't able to do all that much in either the second or the third periods. I remember um, both Kubalik and Doc... Had a couple of good quality looks, but per usual for those two in the past month or so, uh, not able to find the back of the net. And eventually, in that third period, Artemi Panarin wound up scoring a beauty of a goal to put the Rangers ahead 3-1 to one with, with just over about five minutes to play. That was his third point of the game, which only adds insult to injury at this point after how horrendous that trade was by now former general manager Stan Bowman. Uh, but after that one by Breadman, I, I think all of us fans kind of knew that was basically all she wrote. I will give credit to the Hawks, though, for fighting until the end because uh, they actually managed to squeak one out from Alex DeBrinkett. his 10th goal in the last 13 games, by the way. The cat continues to prove he's one of the top goal scorers in the entire league right now in front of our very eyes. It's quite a beautiful thing. Uh, that cut the Hawks' deficit to 3-2, to two, but it was... Too little too late, sadly, the Rangers hold on to win the game 3-2, to a tough road loss for the Hawks, but one I, I don't think they, they were really kicking themselves too much for because overall, not too bad of an effort, especially coming on the road against one of the top teams in the NHL that also hadn't lost a game at Madison Square Garden in over a month just a common problem of not being able to score, came back to bite the Hawks once again. But there were a lot of good things from this performance, though, I thought, because the defensive core, I mean, a lot of guys stepped up and put together strong performances with Murphy, McCabe, and Stillman out of the lineup. First and foremost, another stat stuffer from Seth Jones. He played nearly 30 minutes with two other top four defensemen out of the lineup. He added two assists as well, stayed hot from an offensive perspective, so really good stuff from Seth Jones once again, continuing to look like a number one defenseman as of late. And another guy I got to continue to give credit to, folks, is Eric Gustafson because, once again, he, he he just played a cleaner game overall, and that's what we've needed out of him, just not to not make mistakes because he can help us transition through the neutral zone. He's one of the few guys that can carry the puck up the ice with speed, uh, and and I thought he's just made better decisions overall. And Ian Mitchell was really good too, I thought, especially for not playing in an NHL game in over a month. So um, a, a lot of credit here because I feel like if this situation happened to the Blackhawks in the past couple of years, if they were down a bunch of defensemen on the back end, they wouldn't have stood a chance against a team like the Rangers, especially coming on the road. So I just thought, overall, the ability to be competitive regardless, even without a bunch of key guys on the back end, that really stood out to me and just showed me that this team is heading in the right direction. But at the same time, what sucks is that moral victories really don't count for anything at this point because we're trying so hard here to get that record back to the 500 mark. That's our goal. Get it back to 500 as soon as possible. So a loss is a loss nonetheless at this point. And that put the Blackhawks in a position on Sunday night where they absolutely needed to come away with two points against a struggling Islanders team to wrap up their three-game road trip out east. All right, there's my recap of Saturday's 3-2 loss at Madison Square Garden against the New York Rangers. Coming up in just a moment, I'll get into everything from Sunday's contest against the Islanders. But first, I need to talk to you all about Indeed. Thanks to the great resignation, the job market is filled with once-in-a-generation talent. So how is your organization going to put together an all-star team? Your front office needs an all-star roster, and you can do so right now through Indeed. Indeed is a hiring partner that gets you exactly what you want, which is a short list of quality candidates as fast as possible, because you can do it all. You can attract, interview, and hire all with Indeed. And with Indeed Instant Match, over 90% of employers get quality candidates as soon as they sponsor their job post. So get started right now with a $75 sponsored credit by going to Indeed.com slash LockedOn to upgrade your job post. One more time, that's indeed.com slash lockdown for a $75 credit through December 31st. I also need to talk to you all about Direct TV Stream. all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more right now at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. All right, welcome back to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, I'm your host Jack Bushman. Getting into segment two now today, after a tough loss to the Rangers on Saturday night, dropping their record down to 8-13-2, the Blackhawks finished up their road trip by taking on a New York Islanders team that's been in the midst of a horrendous slump to open up this season, and one of the Stanley Cup favorites in a lot of people's minds. They've just dealt with it all, it seems like, so far this year. Opening up the season with, like, I think it was 13 straight road games or something. Is they had to wait for their new arena to finish up being built. Uh, they also dealt with COVID issues a ton. They've had games canceled and everything. And now, since moving into their new place just a couple of weeks back, they still haven't won there yet. And they've now lost 10 games in a row as well heading into Sunday night. So, The Blackhawks, as I've talked about a bunch on the show in the past couple of weeks, when facing a bottom feeder this year, they've proved that they can win those games and they really needed to last night in order just to keep things going at the pace they need right now. It's just so tough to lose back-to-back games at this point with the record being what it is. But a couple of things helped the Hawks, helped put them in a better place than they were on Saturday in order to come with a win, come away with a win against the Isles. First, Riley Stillman was activated off of injured reserve prior to the game and officially made his return to the lineup after missing the last couple of weeks with what looked like it could have been a serious knee injury. So really good to see that Stillman uh, wasn't too badly injured and was able to be back on the ice and help out, this aching decor right now. No McCabe, no Murphy once again. And with Stillman being activated off of IR, one thing I wanted to mention as well is that it actually wasn't Ian Mitchell who was sent back down to Rockford, but it was Wyatt Kalanuck, interestingly enough. Uh, Kalanuck kind of just hasn't been able to do a whole lot since returning from his injury. And Kinger just said that, with the IceHogs having three games coming up this week, that it would, it would just be a good opportunity to give Kalanuk some big and consistent minutes, which does make sense. I mean, uh, you, you expect McCabe to be back rather soon. Uh, hopefully, that can be the same case for Murphy as well. And when that does happen, uh, the Blackhawks are going to have... A tough decision on their hands. Uh, It's going to be a little bit more crowded back there on the blue line as I think they'll finally be able to be 100% healthy if all things continue to go well. That hasn't happened so far this season. Uh, But just interesting to see that it was Kalanuk going back down to Rockford instead of Ian Mitchell. And I think um, with that decision, I think that definitely uh, kind of gives some kudos to Ian Mitchell for just playing a solid game in his return to the lineup on Saturday against the Rangers, I thought he was pretty good for the most part in that one. Uh, also, another thing that I thought would kickstart the Blackhawks on Sunday was Marc-Andre Fleury being back in net, of course. Uh, and that isn't at all to say that and has been bad recently or anything. No, it's actually been the opposite. He's put together some pretty impressive starts when given an opportunity recently, and I thought he played really well against the Rangers on Saturday night. Unfortunately, came away with the loss in that one, um, but that, I, I say this because more so, it's just Marc-Andre Fleury has been an animal as of late, and really, ever since Derek King came in and became interim head coach, whether that be uh, coincidental or not, ever since that transition, uh, Fleury has been money. He's been standing on his head night in and night out, and he also hadn't allowed more than three goals in a single game under King so far, so uh, a couple of key returns for the Blackhawks against the Islanders on Sunday, and as I mentioned earlier in the show, um, the Blackhawks just simply can't afford back-to-back losses right now, Uh, so a couple of big returns there, and it was really eerie how similar both the games were over the weekend in New York. once again in the first period, just like Saturday night, the Blackhawks came out strong they completely shut it down defensively. Uh, they only gave up eight shots on goal total to the Rangers and they also led nine to two in scoring chances and four to nothing in high danger chances as well at even strength so uh, nothing at all really going on for the Isles on the offensive side of things and once again, the Blackhawks managed to take a 1 0 lead in the first period as Alex Debrinkit had a shot redirect off of Brandon Hagel in front and wound up going past Simeon Varlamov for Hagel's eighth goal of the season and his fifth in the last nine games. Hagel, Kane, and Debrinkit. That's the Blackhawks offense right now. Per usual, uh, that's all that can get it done for the Blackhawks. And that seemed like it's been the case for the past, nearly past month now. Um, but. Another strong and impressive opening period on the road from the Blackhawks, scoring the first goal of the game for the third time on their road trip. All three games out east, the Blackhawks scored the opening goal of the game. But the second period, I just thought, again, uh, things started to open up a little bit from the Blackhawks' defense, and the Islanders started creating a couple of more scoring opportunities and what also didn't help the Blackhawks case is that they took a couple of bad penalties and in that second period, and eventually, the Islanders cashed in for a power play goal, a redirect from J.G. Padjo out in front, and just like that, the Hawks saw their lead slashed as the game was tied 1-1. to Unfortunately, that's been a common theme as well from the Blackhawks, their inability to pad the lead after the first period, and, and some sloppy play and some bad decision-making really came back to bite, bite the Blackhawks in the butt, and that's what made the third period all the more all the more crucial, and for both sides, really. I mean, uh, the Islanders obviously are trying to snap that ten-game losing streak and try to also get things together here before it's too late and, and before the season's already a lost cause. So, with both teams needing a win, the third period was all the more crucial. And after the trio of Dabrinkit, Doc, and Strom were analytically by far the Blackhawks' best forward line through 40 minutes, they finally managed to convert for a goal as Dylan Strom jumped on a loose puck in the offensive zone and roofed one past Varlamov for a second goal of the season to put the Blackhawks ahead 2-1, to one. a huge fist pump from Stromer after finding the back of the net for the first time in nearly a month. His last goal came on November 12th against his former team, the Arizona Coyotes, and that really changed the momentum for the Blackhawks after the Isles kind of had things going their way in the second half of the game. And with the Blackhawks' ability to kind of shut it down defensively as of late, plus this game just overall had such a defensive feel to it from start to finish. I mean, the shots on goal were 15 to 14 through through 40 minutes. Neither of these teams um, were all that willing, as I mentioned, to play an offensive-minded game, and they haven't so far this season. Both teams uh, really have struggled to find the back of the net, and that was more than apparent last night so uh, considering all of that I kind of just thought that the Blackhawks were going to be able to shut it down and hang on for the victory in regulation but unfortunately that didn't go on to be the case as Noah Dobson from the blue line put a shot past Flurry with just 2.3 seconds to go in the third period a backbreaker given up by the Blackhawks and all of a sudden it was like what Are we really about to lose the frickin' Islanders after all that hard work to go and regain the lead in the third period? Is it all going to be for nothing? Because an overtime loss, while it would still have given the Hawks one point, it honestly would have felt like an absolute disaster for them to choke that lead that late, just to not come away with two points in this one. That would have been killer especially after losing Saturday's game to the Rangers, as I've talked about a couple of times already on the episode. But fortunately, this game wound up reaching the shootout after uh, an interesting strategy, to say the least, from the Isles in overtime. They kind of just held the puck in the neutral zone the entire time. I don't think they realized that the Blackhawks have been money in the shootout, not only this season, but historically in the Kane and Taze era. Um, but whatever, I mean, we'll take it, wound up working in the Blackhawks' favor because Marc-Andre Fleury stopped all three shots that he faced. Patrick Kane does his thing per usual to not the shootout winner. And the Blackhawks still managed to pick up two points against the Islanders. It absolutely needed to happen, of course, not the way they drew it up. But they still got the job done. They finish with four out of a possible 6 points on this little 3 game road trip out east. So, uh some very impressive stuff out of Derrick King and his squad moving to 8 and 8 and 4 as coach of the Chicago Blackhawks, but more so than that, he's just proving to have given this team a grindy and competitive identity under his lead. And I know it may not be the most exciting of strategies, but damn it, If that's what it takes to get the job done right now, so be it. We need wins, and Derek King is giving us our best chance so far this season, without a doubt. Another game the Blackhawks needed two points out of last night. I know it wasn't the cleanest of wins, but they found a way. Uh, It would have been nice to win in regulation, of course, something I think they definitely need to work on going forward. A lot of Kings wins have come either in the shootout or in regulation. Uh, But regardless... The Blackhawks found a way to move their record up to 9-13-2 with a big 3-2 shootout win over the New York Islanders to wrap up their weekend back-to-back in New York. All right, that takes care of everything from the game last night against the Islanders. Coming up in just a minute, it's time for our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. But first, I need to talk to you all about BetOnline.ag. BetOnline has you covered all season on more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season in the NFL and the NCAA march towards the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head on over to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today, and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code. Locked on to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our exclusive promo code locked on, one word in all caps to receive your bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. I also need to talk to you all about Bilt Bar, which is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. This holiday season, grab a protein bar filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decayed in flavor, and also covered in 100% chocolate, but also amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat. Right now, you can get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. In so many flavors, you'll have a hard time choosing. Will you go with raspberry or mint brownie? cherry or double chocolate cookies and cream or peanut butter brownie Built bar gives you that extra fuel that you need to bust down those mall doors and battle all the holiday shop shoppers or if you're just standing in endless shopping lines Built bar can give you that extra something to keep you going do you like some of those marshmallowy treats around the holidays well then you need to get your hands on Built bar puffs they're light fluffy, and marshmallowy through and through. Different flavors, all covered in 100% chocolate. They just sent me a package of these folks. They taste so good. They really are nougat They kind of taste like a Three Musketeers bar, honestly. So, uh, and you really won't believe that they're filled with protein. For a limited time offer, you can also go to BuiltBar.com. You can use the promo code LOCKFIF- LOCKED. 15, and you'll get 15% off your order. That's BuiltBar.com with the promo code LOCKED15, one word LOCKED in all caps on the number 15 to get 15% off your next Built Bar order. All right, we're back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. Getting into segment three today, it's time for our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on Lockdown Blackhawks. The first question I want to answer today comes from at Captain 262 on Twitter, Joe Cromwell. Uh, he asked on Twitter, how many minutes is too many for Seth Jones? Uh, right now, Seth is kind of showing us that no minutes are too many for him. He's been playing a ton these past couple of games with Connor Murphy out in concussion protocol. Um, And this is what we're paying Seth Jones the big bucks for. I mean, to carry the load for us defensively. Uh, I don't know if he necessarily should be playing, you know, 28, 29 minutes per game, but we expect him to be somewhere around that 25 minute mark at least. So uh, this is something that we expect him to be able to handle, and so far, he's shown us no worries at all that he can't be in that number one defenseman spot for this team, logging a whole lot of minutes on the back end, uh, and he's been able to keep up the offensive production while uh, playing those big minutes. I think that's been a big factor, or a big key, I guess I should say, as well, as that um, Seth, not, not only are the minutes... Not tiring him, but it seems that he's getting more productive late in the game. Uh, he, he's consistently found ways to make plays in overtime when the Blackhawks have uh, reached that point under Derek King recently. And also, in the third period, he had a huge game-tying goal against the Washington Capitals not that long ago. So, uh, Seth continues to be money back there. My only little concern would be uh, just whether or not this amount of minutes Per night, if he keeps us up, is this going to wear him out come February? Well, I guess February, hopefully they'll be at the Olympics, but in March and April and later on in the season as they get towards the playoffs, is Seth still going to have the legs to play those kind of minutes and be as productive offensively as I mentioned because the Blackhawks certainly need him to from the blue line. Aside from Seth, really no one is doing a whole lot on defense. Eric Gustafson has been better as of late, but still doesn't have a goal on the year. Uh, so Seth's really been the only guy in the back End to provide offensively at a con- on a consistent basis. Um, so I'd just be a little bit wary if I were the Blackhawks. Um, just don't want to get him too many minutes early on. Stay away from that 30-minute mark, I think. But on nights when he needs to play that that much, when we need wins, it's hard to, to keep him off the ice at the same time. You know, he's so good, uh, so- so good at moving the puck in transition. Uh, he knows when to jump into the play to take advantage of an odd-man rush. Uh, I've really liked what I've seen from Seth over these past couple of of weeks. He's also now not only in the midst of a three-game point streak, but uh, with his 19th assist of the season last night, um, Seth is now alone in second among all NHL defensemen in assists. He's been money. I think he's also the Blackhawks' leading scorer right now. So um, no minutes have proved to be too many for Seth Jones, but I would be a little bit cautious at the same time if I were the Blackhawks going forward and how they handle Seth Jones's ice time. Second question I wanted to answer today comes from at Chris underscore Brown one on Twitter. Christopher Brown, longtime listener, uh, thank you for all the support, Chris. I appreciate you not only asking the question but continuing to tune into the show. Uh, but Chris asked if the time does come to trade Mark Andre Fleury, where is the ideal place to send him and what? is the ideal trade package in return? This is a good question. Um, I think the ideal return obviously would be a first-round pick. Um, but the only way I imagine that being possible for the Blackhawks is if they're willing to retain a, a good chunk of Flurry's salary, which I, I would imagine if they're out of a playoff picture, that's something they would be willing to do to get an asset back because uh, his contract only runs through the remainder of this season. So it's not like it would be hurting them financially going forward. And considering they also have all of his contract on the books right now, taking a portion of it, I mean, it's not going to hurt them in a sense at all. So. um, I think if the Blackhawks are are out of the picture come deadline time, Marc-Andre Fleury could be a trade candidate. um, But obviously, I think it's going to be a little tough to do so. um, To move his family, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury obviously, you know, debated with his family about retirement and whether or not he wanted to move them again. uh, And it, it was a big thing whether or not, he was going to play for the Hawks after they acquired him, I mean, that was a big decision let alone in its own, so for for Marc-Andre Fleury, um, it's it's kind of a, there's a bunch of variables, where is he going to fit, where is he going to want to play, where is he willing to move his family, what will a team be willing to give, and a first-round pick, I don't know. Obviously, I think that's an ideal return for him. That's what the question was asked, Um, but I don't know if that's going to be possible for the Blackhawks, uh, given how the goalie market's kind of gone the past couple years. Um, So, as for a team that Marc-Andre Fleury could go to, an ideal spot, there's obviously been rumors with the Edmonton Oilers. Emily Kaplan from ESPN has talked about this situation a little bit recently. By the way, the Blackhawks, at the moment, they haven't really made up their mind on what to do with Marc-Andre Fleury at this point. As I just talked about, there's all those variables that deal into it. Uh, Fleury also has that modified no-trade clause, a 10-team no-trade list, so that goes into some consideration as well. Uh, The Edmonton Oilers are one team that's been linked to Marc-Andre Fleury. They're obviously... And they obviously have been needing a goaltender for some time now. Uh, they've been getting a little bit better goaltender play so far this season, but to get a Vesna caliber guy like Flower, I mean, that obviously could put them over the hump there in Edmonton, and they've been trying to accomplish that for quite some time now. Um, trying to think around the rest of the league, who else could be in need of a goaltender right now. Um, I mean, considering Flurry has that no trade list, I don't think he's going to go to a bottom feeder. Uh, there are a couple of variables, but I'd probably expect maybe a second round pick for Flower. It all depends on how much the Blackhawks are willing to buy back as well. Uh, I don't think there's an immediate rush to trade him at this point, though, so I I wouldn't expect anything to happen until at least 2022 because I think the Blackhawks like where they're going right now, and a lot of that has to do with the play from Marc-Andre Fleury as of late. The third and final question I wanted to answer on today's show comes from Rafael Meneses on Twitter, a long-time listener now from all the way in Brazil. As always, Rafael, appreciate the support. Rafael asked, did Eric Gustafson change your mind already? No, Eric Gustafson, while he has been playing a whole lot better in the past three or four games now... um I still need to see that on more of a consistent basis, more than, as I said, just two or three games because I know the type of liability that he can be on defense. And and his decision-making early on in the season was so poor. He got a talking to from Mark Crawford uh, once Derrick King took over and once Calton wasn't the guy. He had his ice time slashed in that first game under King. Uh, and since then, I think he kind of understood the message a little bit better. Um, and after getting his ice time cut, I think he really saw the, saw the picture clearly. You're not going to play if you're not going to be good, buddy. And Gustafson's picked it up ever since, so I will give him credit, um, but I'm not changing my mind completely on Eric Gustafson. I've been watching him as a member of the Blackhawks for far too long to forget about what type of defenseman he is. Um, I think in the proper role, yeah, he can help this team, but ultimately I think if they want to if they wanna win, uh, he's not exactly the guy you want to be relying on. Right now they really have no other choice with a bunch of guys out, and to his credit, he has stepped up. Um, but I'm not sure that he's going to be able to do this throughout the rest of the way here um but if he proves me wrong you know so be it good on him then um that's the hope for Eric Gustafson that's why we signed him on to not make mistakes and help this team offensively if he can do those two things I think he'll continue to be the sixth or seventh defenseman here that's the ideal role for him um so yeah I'm happy with Gustafson's play as of late but I'm not going to um I'm not going to forget who he is at the end of the day I've had too many bad plays of his burned into my brain where he just completely forgets about the defensive side of things. Hopefully he can pick it up, um, but I'm not gonna completely let him off the hook at this point because it's only been a three or four game stretch where he's really picked up his play as of late. All right, I think that is going to wrap up Monday, December 6th episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and be sure to follow the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free. Right now, on your favorite podcast app, and you can get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, be sure to go and check out the Lockdown Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. You can get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and even Lee Sterling's Lock of the Day by just simply following the Lockdown Bets podcast. It's free and available on all platforms, so be sure to check out Lockdown Bets right now, wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can catch me on Twitter at my personal account at Jack Bushman2.